0: It's time now for Pickin' and Puttin' with Clay Smith's quantitative anthology of stories behind the songs we know and love to hear, and just how they evolve. Plus, a stroke of genius from Dr. Rick Zollinger, a golf nut who will present qualitative narratives from the pages of his own case studies in golf. It's Pickin' and Puttin'. Everybody, welcome back to Picking and Putting. I'm Clay Smith along with my co-host, Dr. Z. Dr. Rick Zollinger. Hey Clayton, welcome, how
1: you doing, man?
0: Hey baby doll. What's up? You notice I got a guitar now. I don't know how to man, do it. You you but, must be woodshedding a bit. Okay. <laughs> Actually, that's my son's guitar and he does You he does. better work on those chops, baby.
1: <laughs> I can't play squat, so oh, but it looks really good
0: and I've got a really nice finger there. Hey, baby. Yeah. Turn the clock back from my background country music, but I just need to teach you three chords and you got it knocked. Okay. There you
1: go. All right. Well maybe that'll be one of my uh, on my bucket list.
0: Hey maybe. man, we're having fun with all this, getting a lot of feedback and uh I'm glad everybody out there is enjoying this. The uh I mean the the, the sacred nature of where these stories evolve behind the songs that we know and love. Um, it's quite fascinating. Um, this week, the story is about one of the greatest love songs ever in history. I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly was, uh, she, she actually was with Porter Wagner for years. Porter Wagner had a syndicated TV show, country music. I can picture him with that hair and that big old hair. Oh my. Yes. for the, and, and the rigs, man, that guy had the, yeah. rhinestones had and, and you name it, he had it. Yeah. And, uh, Dolly had committed early on when uh, Porter started his show. Um, it was, uh, she had committed to do five years and, uh, Five years had passed, and Dolly was so talented and just busting at the seams to want to get out on her own. And uh, when you do a weekly syndicated TV show, it's an obligation and it's a lot of work and uh, a real commitment. But uh, a long time. Yeah, she's such a great writer, and uh, she had so many things in the pipeline that she, you know porter thought he knew what was best for her and intuitively i think dolly knew what really was best for her so uh that i mean, there's a lot of feuding going on i mean I, people don't know sometimes that these tv casts i mean there's a lot of bickering behind the scenes and going back and forth and then they you know tally light comes on and uh Toothpaste smile and they're, and you know,
1: they're best of friends. <laughs> and you know, with the passage of time, everybody realizes how brilliant she isn't come off as just this little country girl from
0: Tennessee. She's a Baby, smart, she's a real She's the real a really real. smart businesswoman, and you yeah, know, and she's got a lot of heart. Um, oh yeah, one of one of my mentors in the in the business, and uh, was actually my father, Arthur Smith producer, Fred Foster. Fred uh, was responsible for discovering Dolly, Roy Orbison, um, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, the Gatlin brothers. I mean, the list <laughs> yeah. goes on and on and on. That's great. He fell in love with Dolly. Dolly's natural style and truly her musical ability is uncanny. And he knew early on she was going to be a monster. But she was involved in the syndicated TV show back and forth with Porter. She wanted to break out on her own. They had a little fight after one of the shows. She went home and was just, I mean, and just, I don't know, something came over, reached from within and she started writing this song that starts, if I should stay, I would only be in your way. So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way and and so on and so on. The next morning, they were going to record a, another episode, and uh, she said, Porter, you need to sit down. I wrote this song last night, and uh, I want to dedicate it to you. She proceeded to sing the entire song, and uh, Porter was weeping yeah, at the I end could... of the song back well, in the dressing you're... room.
1: Oh, and man. Porter
0: said, you, you can go, but you got <laughs> to promise me one thing. You'll let me produce the song, <laughs> yeah. and she did, and produced it. And, and this was 1974. It it went to number one on the charts. Fast forward, she re-recorded it for the uh, movie, The Best Little Horror House in Texas, in uh, 1984. Again, it or '82, yeah, and it and it, it again became number one on the charts. Mm-hmm. Now, the story goes, Linda Ronstadt did a version of it. Um, Elvis was very interested in it. And Elvis had Colonel Parker uh, call, uh, his manager call uh, Dolly and uh, told her about his interest in cutting the song. But as Colonel Tom Parker was all about the the moolah on the back end, you know. <laughs> he said, we'll do the song if you give us half the publishing. Well, you talk about Dolly and the savvy nature of even though it's a little country on the front side. She's pretty smart on the back side. She said, no way. Not going to let it happen. So years went by and uh, she re- received a call from, of all people, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was in the middle of production uh, with Whitney Houston, the bodyguard. Yeah, I remember. This was 94. Yeah. He was a fan of the original song, I'll Always Love You. They had planned in this most strategic point in the movie to do another song that had already been covered by a big artist. So it kind of, you know, took the air out of their sails. He thought of this song, loved it called her and uh, she never heard back from him so uh later in 94 the I, the movie had been released and she she was driving in nashville in her car and all of a sudden you, you know you have that moment where I, i've heard that i've heard that somewhere what what, what is that and then and then whitney houston breaks into i will always <laughs> and she about wrecked the car pulled over slammed on the brakes and boom they released the single it sold four million copies right out of the box the uh soundtrack from the motion picture sold 17 million copies this became her biggest song it's unbelievable
1: yeah this
0: hey man could you know i was talking about well, I'm, my I'm my buddy Fred Foster, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, and uh, Fred discovered Bo Dolly and Chris Christopherson. Chris always said he said now and another great songwriter in Nashville, Tom T. Hall. Chris said Tom T. Hall and I are the only two people in Nashville that can describe Dolly with our hands. <laughs>
1: visual on that is uh, (laughs) is uh enlightening to say for any male male oh my gosh
0: yeah so anyway the breakup worked and i will always love you what a wonderful song
1: well i went and did some research on breakups oh in in golf yeah we were talking about great caddy and uh caddy and pro relationships, even amateur pro relationships, amateur caddy relationships. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I went through and I made up a list and this is this this list is amazing. When you go back and you start the list with little Eddie who's 10 oh, years my. old, Eddie Lowry and Francis we met in 1913 winning the open. Oh my gosh. And you know, that one was not a breakup. He uh he went on to become a multi-millionaire Eddie Lowry and uh and no he met, uh, tried to stay amateur, and they wouldn't let him. He he, wow. the USGA made him be a pro. Who knows oh why? My. 1960. But 1960. I went through I went through the names, and and the most significant breakups we think about are Jack and Angelo Argia. That's Marcus right. And Argia. God yes. And then, and then of course Tiger and Fluff. Oh. And, and those. Are, those <laughs> That's those a great, great one. Series. Yeah. <laughs> you know Jack, the the deal with that one was very simple, and it wasn't as They caddied together for a long time, uh, Angelo Argea. Angelo, yeah. And they broke up in the early 80s. And the reason was he was with Jack out of his 70 wins. He was with him for 40. But two interesting facts. He broke up because it was a Hall of Fame tournament in 81, and Angelo hadn't gone out and scouted the pin placements. Oh, nice. And whatever, for whatever reason. You got to do your
0: homework, man.
1: They broke up. but. But Jack, neither one of them, they were friends till, till uh, Angelo died in, I think, 2005 or something wow. from liver cancer. Wow. But they, they remained friends. It was, it was not the same as it would be today. True. Then you fast forward to Tiger, and I'll go yeah. through Tiger. I want to go through the, the <laughs> catty tree of Tiger, but let's have a little discussion about Fluff. Because this is why we came here. Tiger and Fluff. Why'd they break up? Two and a half years together. Well, so Fluff, what's interesting about Fluff Fluff's storyline is that a couple things that are fun. He's from Maine. He was he was a pro. He is a pro. Wow. Okay. He was an assistant pro at a club, private club in Maine and he kept trying to play and he kind of just didn't do it. He said he'd come home. He finally he picked up a caddy job. He started out, if you remember, with Peter Jacobson. That's right. And they That's were right. together a long, long time. Long I think time. 16 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so Peter recommended Tiger. Well, uh, Tiger came out in 96, and he hired Fluff. Fluff, they had seven wins together, including the 97 Masters. Oh, wow. But uh, (laughs) the storyline was Fluff was a good caddy with Tiger, but you know know Tiger's personality coming out back then. And the whole deal was – they won seven tournaments in two and a half years, and he fired him in 99. Wow. And the reason that they stayed, he fired him, mm. was, if you remember, there were, I'll go through this, couple things. One was that the reason, he said he never, Tiger never told him why. He was very, very respectful and just said, I think we need to part ways, but.
0: Allegedly, uh, got- fluff was an opportunist, right?
1: <laughs> well, yes. And what it was is he, he came out and told him what he was getting paid. Oh, and what he got paid was $1,000 a week and 10% of Tiger's earnings. Wow. So that was significant. That's a good that's two and a half years. <laughs> that, yeah, that was 9798. Hmm. Um, so that's what drove him. And also, if wow. you remember, there he started there were more people looking for fluff to sign autographs than the golfers themselves fluff, fluff was enjoying the uh, spotlight <laughs> do you remember the red roof inn ad where he came out of the floor with his caddy bag yep. yeah <laughs> so i think it was red roof inns or yeah. and so he became his own oh yeah own guy so so that's what Luff was looking to, for. His
0: own endorsements.
1: Yeah, so that's what led to their Dolly Parton breakup.
0: There you go, baby.
1: Yeah, well, pretty good move. Well, it, <laughs> pretty good one, move. One more catty couple that everybody right. thinks about is is Bones and and uh,
0: Phil. Gosh.
1: And and the deal there is, I don't view that as a breakup. And it'd be interesting to hear them. I think both of them had gotten to a point in their career. There's that. Phil's kind of in, you know, mm-hmm. he's in retirement. I mean, he's not retired, but he's 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 enjoying his kids, he's enjoying life, he enjoyed the event this last weekend, you know, that kind of thing. Charity, charity and stuff. And and I think he looked at bones and said, Well, you know, this is a real he's had bones, I think had two knee replacements. Oh gosh. And said this is
0: a great opportunity for you. Can you I'm imagine tight nut? thing doing the doing the work that they do. I mean, it's enormous. Oh, and and I don't think. And so. Phil's brother was getting more involved in the business. Even I mean, he, yeah, he was a pro in his own right, player. But then he, you know, he came on the scene um, managing John Rom, and then uh, yes, started when uh, I think Bones was going through some rehab from his injuries. Then. Uh, I think his brother stepped in, and you know, blood's thicker than water. You know what I'm saying? But I think it was because I don't see
1: Phil. Phil is not one you see moving over at 50 to the Senior Tour.
0: That's a good question.
1: But I I don't think he I don't think he'll go out there and but he'll he'll do a little bit of DJ.
0: You know, it doesn't matter what industry we're talking about, whether it's music, golf, or uh, business. It's it's all about relationships, isn't it? Yeah, and,
1: know, and and
0: and success. His bread from all of that. There's no two ways about it. And here's... here's Two so you surround yourself with, right? Yes, and one, one... I mean, look at us. I mean, golly, man. The greatest yeah. duo ever to come along in the podcast world. <laughs> the one... Well, it segues to the quote of the week, baby. I got it. Let's hear I'm it. my man, Johnny Cash. Oh, goody. On fire. All your life, you'll be faced with a choice. You can choose love. Or you can choose hate, I choose love. There
1: you go. And in today's world, take Johnny to the bank.
0: You got it, fans.
1: It hey, awesome. tune
0: in next week. Same time, same channel. Until then, we'll be picking,
1: picking and, and button, button. baby. See